Wow. Are we ever going to do an intro for this? Or? Yeah, intro. Do you guys do intros? We can do. So, welcome to Casting Light. So, let's preface this. So, this right here will be at the beginning of it. Oh, great. Right? Okay. So, we just kind of drop right into the middle of it. Uh, into the, do you want me so, to do an intro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome to Casting Light, brought to you by Guiding Light. Thank you for all of our donors and everyone who helps this <laughs> podcast be able. Uh, my name is Daniel. Uh, to my right's Doug, and to my left is our is our guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? <laughs> Wouldn't it be terrible if you forgot my name? <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, to, to be honest, I get really nervous when I do stuff like yeah, that. So it's I like a whiteboard. He's yeah. like Lauren. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, I forget. I know I'll, I'll forget I people I've known for years. Thing. So it's just like <laughs> I, I'm just worried on what I'm gonna say. <laughs> You're like, hey, this is Doug, and then Doug's like, hi, I'm Doug. What's your name? And I'm like, I'm Lauren. You're like, thank God, thank yeah. goodness. Um, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, uh, the, the, yeah I'm Lauren. The, the, it's yeah. just us. So uh, we're just we're just gonna drop right into the middle of what we were talking about because I think it's a very interesting episode we just recorded, but. So we um, still don't we know, don't who know she how is. we started it. We don't know who she is. You just yet. said her name, right? Well, yeah. she can you introduce yourself? Yeah, a I'm oh, Lauren. Gotta be yeah. Like that. yeah. Thanks. I'm Lauren. <laughs> yeah. That's me. Mm-hmm. Cool. What else do you want me to say? No, that's I mean, if you want to say anything, but any other means, identifiers you need. <laughs> One of my favorite um never mind. I mean, I'm in recovery. Dope. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> How are you going to edit this in? I'll, I'll make You'll it figure work. it out. Yeah. Do, you, do you remember when cigarettes were called squares? Do you, is that still a thing? No. Did you never, have you heard them called grits? Nope. They were, people still call them squares. Have you heard it, ever heard it called? them squares? See? Mm-hmm. I never Old understood. black men. Oh, it was, I only heard it on the, Oh, I heard grit and square in Arizona. I heard I, I heard people asking for a square while I was in here. You got it. You got. You remember how uh, Mark would be? You got a dart. I hate that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you got a dart. <laughs> like, I like that. You can stop right now. A dart. I That's a creative that. word for a cigarette. I've only ever really heard them called cigarettes. Cigarettes. What about ciggies? Ciggies. 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 I was being sarcastic. CGs. I don't no. think I've ever heard it called the Siggy like unironically. Yeah. How about a little how about a little Siggy pop? I have heard that unironically. <laughs> Siggy? Yes. I've heard like basic women do it. What is that? A basic woman? Have you ever heard uh of... No, I know what a ba- a basic woman is. Yeah. But it's an I like how you're trying to turn it into something else and then I just kind of shut that down. I don't think you shut anything down. What are you asking? What What is what? What did you mean by that? A basic woman? Yeah. Uh, it can be a basic man too, but I'm referring this specifically to a woman that I've heard it say. Okay. Um, somebody that speaks in like a valley girl way. Okay. Um, usually someone that would just fall along like the basic category things that are like, like I'm a basic bro. You like the basic male things. I want to say the basic male things mm-hmm. like your stereotypical like what society or like media would label as basic that's what i'm going as like the, yeah. the classic like starbucks target shopper right um so, call it like hey can i get a thiggy right 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 right, yeah. right i wasn't used i was i was literally using it in a descriptive way of like that's a type of person it's a dangerous descriptor i would say i can hurt people's feelings very easily with yeah. my words and yeah. half the half the time i don't do it on purpose but 
I have I'm, to remember. Yeah, I'm just the type of person who will definitely, I like to talk about things. Yeah. And, and the things that I'm passionate about, like talking against are like misogyny and racism specifically. There are other things. I like talking <laughs> about psychology. I mean, but if something comes up um, in those like areas, I will, I usually like will so, bring it up, talk about it because yeah. it's important to do, yeah. right? Which so. I, I appreciate that there's people like you that are that actually do that. Yeah. Because again, I'm also well aware that um I probably carry a toxic, misogynistic tone or viewpoint into things. How could you not? Yeah. But like trying to be that's the whole kind, not clever. Like I can, mm. I can make jokes because on the surface they're funny, but and some of the times people will be like, "Hey, like not really the thing." And I'll mm -hmm. be like, "Oh, thanks for letting me know," because mm -hmm. because it doesn't affect me. I need, like, it doesn't directly apply to me, so right. I need people that it actually does affect to be right. like, "That's not cool." And then I'm like, "Oh, now I get that." Right. But and anyone who knows you well probably knows that you understand. I mean, I'm assuming. <laughs> That people who aren't saying things or in general, it doesn't even have to be you. It could be anyone that, um, but specifically towards you, like um, you seem pretty educated about that, so, yeah. that kind of stuff. I try. Yeah. So that you're almost saying it. I would it's say like, ironically. You, you, you have, yeah, you know you, you have this assumption that everybody else knows you're being ironic. Yeah, but this is a huge problem you, I run into. Yeah, you know, I don't yeah. know you that well, so it's like hard to tell if you're being ironic. Oh, and see, I'm like, is that is is that why you generally? <laughs> so I've always like at every CrossFit, I think I've made some stupid woman joke. Like, yeah, yeah. Explain. I Which don't. You say don't, it in such a sarcastic way. That okay, I'm like, good. Because okay, I'm I I genuinely but. like so my my opinion on on men and as human beings in general, <laughs> as as human beings, like I really don't. If you're a good person, you're a good person. Yeah. That's like my my cut. Like, mm -hmm. I don't woman, man, any anything in between. I don't care if you're a unicorn and you're a good unicorn. Great, you're a good unicorn. Like, but it's 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 generally speaking of like I don't. Oh, that's weird. I thought you're doing something. Sorry, you were just like. I was, I was <laughs> looking at my bracelet. <laughs> um, but yeah, but that's one of those things too. Of like, I kind of figured that you knew I was joking. Mm -hmm. But then every once in a while, I'm like, I don't know if she really knows I'm joking. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I don't know if you're joking. And I'm like. Yeah, but but also <laughs> if, if I. And again, like with the communication thing of like, I. I I'll can, say something from now on. Yeah, because I can hurt people's feelings where it's like, oh. It's like, not about hurt feelings for me. My feelings aren't hurt when you say things like that. Is it more just like the. It's it's just like such an important thing for me as a woman to who is willing to talk about it mm -hmm. to stand up for other women that's who don't fair. stand up for themselves, and I can't not say something. No, that's because fair. it's my responsibility as someone who's willing to talk about it, and it's also my responsibility to talk about anti-racism, in my opinion, because I'm white, and it's really not any BIPOC person's mm -hmm. job to educate white people on racism or the oppression of. BIPOC folks. Yeah. I think that's actually really interesting of like, I, I wish there were men. Yeah. I wish there were men who were in that space too, like with women, like, um, in the sense that they understood that the oppression of women by other men, 
Like, it's not, it shouldn't be a woman's job to educate a man about the oppression of women by men, you know? I'm agreeing. I'm not, I'm not like thinking, thinking like, hmm, I don't know. I want to argue that. No, no, no. <laughs> no, it's more so like I, I had a big thing when I got sober of like, I had a very negative image of women, mm-hmm. like just, just in, like not like it wasn't maybe women as a whole, but like I viewed women in relationship to me in a negative way. Mm-hmm. And like, that's something that I've worked on ever since I've gotten sober. And that's one of those things that it's the, the big thing that I've had a big problem. I I guess I'm, I guess I'm trying to say I've never really figured out. I've never been at that place in my life to stand up for women in that way. Mm -hmm. The way that I've stood up for women is, is usually I can't stand when people make these comments like, Oh, I'd I'd be like, that's not okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That, well, that, it perpetuates rape culture. Well, that and it, it's it like the I always had it boiled down to like that views that woman as an object mm-hmm. and not as a person. And I and saying that a, a, ba- a woman is basic also views her in a really condescending, objectifying way, because a lot of the time women's hobbies and likes are put down by men. I, th- I was waiting for you to say basic. No. <laughs> yeah, it's just like anything that a woman likes can be basic, which is why I fight back with men a lot about astrology. What is the, okay. What is, what is the equivalent of basic things that men do? CrossFit, working out, I don't think protein that powder. I also drink protein powder and work mm-hmm. out and do CrossFit. So well, I'm just trying to think of yeah, like, like what, things that I would see, but I, I don't- calling, sexual harassment. Um, that's basic. Is that basic though? Yeah, it happens a lot. Is that the equivalent? Sure, okay. but yeah. is that what the equivalency of what we're calling like a pumpkin basic? spice latte? Oh, so like hobbies that of sure. men, right. yeah, that yeah. people put down. Sure, does that exist consistently? Mm-hmm. Um, does may, it? May, I'm just. May, I mean, I don't, not I don't even. Know. Maybe not even that society hear. puts down or people that put down, but just irrelevant. Anything Andrew Tate says. Uh-huh. <laughs> Who's Andrew? Is that the one that's bald a, yeah, guy? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. He's like, a woman is my property. If she's selling her body on the internet, I should get a cut of that because I own her. <laughs> I can't stand. No. See, but that that's my problem too is is any issue, any issue that there have... is, it drives me insane because it's always the farthest extremes that you hear the most of. Right. Because they're the loudest, craziest people. Right. I think it's... But it's different for people who are oppressed, right? Like you're the least oppressed person. Oh, yeah, 100%. It's different for me or even a BIPOC woman, Mm -hmm. especially the most oppressed person. To be extreme is the only way to... It feels like sometimes the only way to communicate Mm -hmm. how painful it is to be in that situation or to like express how important it is to have these conversations with other men mm-hmm. or whatever. So I'm more speaking of I You do hear like Andrew Tate is the is the one extreme and then you hear like like and then you you can hear the people from far 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 on the left, far 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 on the right. It's just the people that are usually like the quote unquote craziest or the most the most like extremist would thank you that's the better word 
um, are usually the loudest too. Yeah. And that really, it dissipates the light on the majority of the people that are trying to do what is just actually not extreme. And people have the taste of like, oh, well, they want all this. It's, it's this crazy person over here. Like, that's what everyone's talking about. It's like, no, no, right. no. That's what that person's talking about. Right. Like, everyone else just wants to be treated like human beings. Right. <laughs> but, again, it is difficult because I'm not in those mm -hmm. demographics, which is, yeah. So when we talk about communication, too, as we started this whole thing yeah, off yeah, with yeah, communication okay. and being a <laughs> double-edged sword. Oh, we just like. A, a, a and being two knife. parts, though. It's, the serrated knife. <laughs> it's, this is the serrated knife of communication. <laughs> but it is, it's difficult because that's, as a person that's lived in privilege, and I've, I've talked about this, especially when it comes to recovery, it's it, mm -hmm. it it really is. I'm I am the demographic that will get helped the quickest, the fastest, and, mo and the most efficiently. Yeah. Um. I've been a uh, recipient of those of those privileges. Um. It is it is an uncomfortable conversation to have with somebody about like, well, like, you could do more to support people that don't have that privilege. Right. That's an uncomfortable conversation. Um. And this is an uncomfortable conversation. It's very uncomfortable. It conversation. is, but I, I I generally do appreciate, it and I, I like the fact that we're gonna add, like we're actually gonna mm -hmm. to to put this on. Yeah, because the whole thing that I've I've appreciated in my life, especially in recovery, is just like, are you uncomfortable? Like you might be, you might be somewhere that that you should be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. It's more uncomfortable for me to look in the eyes of someone who hasn't gotten help because of how society is set up than to have a conversation with someone about how they should be doing more for people who are yeah. not getting what they need. Because I'm so, I could cry about it probably. I don't know if I, it's just today or whatever, mm -hmm. but I literally am so angry that certain people don't have what they need to survive, mm -hmm. you know? And a lot of that in addiction, like homelessness is a real issue. Oh, yeah. People who are being helped out of that I think it's most. I mean, I, I think it's important too that it's there are people that are struggling that aren't addicts too. Mm -hmm. Like there's, it's right. One hundred percent. Like it's, it's it's not just the. I remember I, I I was homeless in California for a little bit, and I ran into what? What a great place to be homeless. No. I mean, yeah. I was in Venice for a while, Santa Monica. Not, I was not in Venice. Oh, okay. <laughs> Where were you? I was in Long Beach. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it was just I like- I went to Laguna. Yeah, it was almost like normalized when I was there. Like you oh, would just very walk much around is. and like it's a culture it's and so no one weird. really looks tw thinks twice. You're, like, you're invisible. Yeah, which is terrible. Yeah, I mean, it was, you, kinda can, you, you can shoot up on the street, so that's kind of nice. But <laughs> I mean, but you are, you are invisible. Yeah. And it was interesting to me like I made jokes about it honestly because you'd run across people and just like oh you're homeless like oh you shoot dope and they're like no and I'm, and it'd be like why are you homeless because like that never like to me I I view the world through my lens right which is my experiences which is I don't know you're homeless because you shoot drugs and you choose to because that's what happened to you <laughs> yeah because I was like oh this is fun right because like I I chose that it didn't I had I had a choice in that whole matter some people don't right and. I mean, so many things can contribute to homelessness yeah, and that aren't addiction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
And I would say most things mental are health. not addiction yeah. related, you know? Yeah. Mental health being a big one. Yeah. The, I, I don't know. I always think of like, so Grand Rapids, we have like HQ and AYA now and all that. All I don't that. know what any of those are. Are you serious? Yes. We're going to talk after this. Okay. You'll, you'll be, you'll be very excited. <laughs> oh, great. It's they, they, they actually have, so it was three, one, one and HQ got together and they formed AYA. I don't know what that stands for again, but it's a, a youth housing. What's a fancy word? Proactive or what? You're my word guy. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. So they help uh runaway youth. Yeah. And it's really, it, they, they do great stuff, mm -hmm. but like hearing that of like, Oh yeah. You never think about the kids in impoverished communities, unsafe housing, mm -hmm. unsafe. And it's just like, you know, they just don't go home for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Like, and I was thinking about that, like, man, how terrible would that be? I, I, I genuinely can't, I don't know what that's like. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I will never know what that's like. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's, that's I was tough. just having a conversation the other day about how, um, <clears throat> about how the, I, I have no real like, so my, the, the brakes on my, on my car were messed up and when it started making that noise that I got to get my brakes fixed, like I just kept, I just put it out of my mind, even though I know that when my brakes are screwed up, like I have to do something about it. Like eventually I'm going to have to spend money on it and get it fixed, <laughs> but I just day. put it out of my mind. Yeah, exactly. Not today. <laughs> and I just kept doing that over and over again until it get louder and louder and louder. And, um, and eventually I was able to get a, a friend of mine to help me to fix it. Um, but I was, I was talking with somebody about this, about like, why am I so stupid when it comes to that stuff? And, and I'm like, you know, the longer it would have gone on, the more damage it would have done, the more it would have costed me ultimately to get it fixed. Um, and the reason why I seem to be okay with me, like putting stuff off and it costing me more money is because I don't really have a good, like I was, I was raised like you said in a very privileged environment like i don't have a relationship with money that like other people do mm -hmm. because i've just always had like i didn't live up i didn't grow up like super rich you know what i mean but i grew up rich enough to where i didn't have to worry about money when i was growing up you know mm -hmm. so even when i myself was really poor like i still it still has never been the type of thing that i've had to worry about and i've never had a relationship with it that like other people do right you know I did not have that experience growing up. Mm. Um, we were extremely poor. <laughs> it's not funny. I'm sorry. Um, I I think that's a coping mechanism of mine. I just laugh sometimes. Yeah, I do too. When I say things that are uncomfortable for me to talk about. Um, anyway, I yeah, I we all we were always probably until my mom got married when I was. 11, 12, um, we were always, I was very aware that we did not have enough no. to eat sometimes, to get new clothes, whatever, for school. Like, it really was, um, there was like, there was definitely times where we were like, my, but my mom did such a good job, and I commend her for this. Like, she... Um, 
getting older and more mature, I realized that she like did a lot of emotional work herself when this was going on because she kind of, we had no idea growing up, but it was, we knew that we were poor, but it it was like, guess what we're having for dinner? We're going to eat peanut butter out of the jar, but she made it so fun. And we were like, yeah, that is like the most fun thing. We were super excited. It wasn't like, and she would get pumped up about it, but probably inside she was like, this is terrible, you know? So we did, we definitely, that, I mean, with the car thing, like my mom taught us and my stepdad, um, they were like on it um, with, I can, I mean, you should have called me, Doug. Mm. I could have fixed your brakes and rotors. Mm. I do your oil wells at it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, um, definitely not, still, um, even in that, there are people who, had so much less than I did mm-hmm. and yeah it's so I just made a crazy realization of why I lived my life a lot of the way I did at least at least in my addiction so for whatever reason I like I almost wanted to prove to myself that I was worth the behavior that I was doing mm-hmm. so I really like I mean I was in bad situations bad places usually where kids were involved too and it was always weird because you know we'd be upstairs like up for days tweaking Mm -hmm. and there's like six kids down below that are just sleeping on a blanket and Mm -hmm. like I always thought that I was in that situation but like I, I as I was thinking back at it all those times I did that like I stole things all the time but when I think back it's it's because and I think really deep down I was like because I deserve this like, cause that's how I grew up. Like I grew up, like I should just get what I want. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm thinking back at it. I'm like, that was really kind of my, cause I never felt bad about a lot of the things people are like, oh, this is a resentment list and all this other stuff. Like I didn't really have a long resentment list. Cause I was just, I mean, I, I was more upset about the, the wrongs that I did the world, but it was more wrongs to the world. Like realistically, I think a lot of my upbringing was led me to the belief of just like, well, I just, I don't know. I kind of deserve this heroin <laughs> mm. and I ran with that for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Other people would call spoiled. <laughs> I'm, I'm reading this book on like, I think I forgot what it's called, but how to be a better grown up. And it's talking about this guy that goes through and like goes to all these schools and talks to all these kids. And, and this part that I read today was like, I think a lot of people, glamorize being a kid and always thinking about all the good it was but forget how terrifying it was to grow so up terrifying. and like walk into a room and are you gonna like second grade like are you gonna fit in like what it's like to talk to somebody you don't know and all these like these little things that we kind of like we forget that and we we go to the same thing with addiction mm-hmm. of you know we'll forget the 50 days of terrible terrible times and remember that you know three hours of like oh yeah but like that sunset and it's just like yeah well you were homeless for 50 days and traveling across the country in the back of like a pig van so i don't know if they have pig vans but pig van pig vans okay i thought you said pink van for a second and i was could like, be a pink van pink pink van pink could be a pig you, man pig you there, there could be a pig man in a pig van that was a pink van <laughs> <laughs> who who would know uh but i think but yeah i kind of think about that of like hmm it's interesting i struggle a lot with the thought speaking of like Trauma, not trauma, addiction, the connection between trauma and addiction. Mm. And I know that there are people who 
Hmm, this is kind of hard because personally, I believe that our generation was raised by people who were not like emotionally intelligent enough to not accidentally emotionally abuse us right yeah and yeah. i think there are things that we well they were emotionally abused exactly you know, yeah yeah and it's kind of just coming out like it's, it is very interesting that like literally every generation leading up to kind of now when right. we're finally getting to a point where we can start talking about right. it like did have some sort of like Terrible. trauma growing yes. up you know yes. and like Call our generation what you will. Like you hear all the time about how the best I know. <laughs> <laughs> People um, say that it makes us soft to talk right, about these things, right. but they're just. Is, I think it's like a fear of looking at something that's very real. Pro yeah, probably. which I find hilarious because I I I appreciate that I found out that out here when I went through guideline and all this other stuff. I'm like, you know how much harder it is to have an honest conversation, like then. Like, I'm just not going to, it's way harder to have a conversation with somebody about being like, yo, dude, like, I, I did not appreciate that. Yeah. Like, right. right. Oh, that's way harder than like punch him in the face yeah. <laughs> or whatever, whatever yeah, it might or, be. Or like me where I just internalize yeah. it and, you know, somehow turn it on myself through self-loathing to like kind of justify the things that are happening to me mm -hmm. or, um, yeah, that's really the only way I ever handled things, you know? The, the having to have a conversation with somebody and be like, "Hey, I don't appreciate the way that made me feel that made me feel," and I think there's a better and more uh, emotionally intelligent way for you to handle that. Um, Nerd. Yeah, that's <laughs> like literally, yeah. but it's well. I mean, and I was raised that way too, right? I mean, um, that that's not how men handle things, you know. Which is something that I want to learn more about. Mm. What? Yeah, how the stigma that men have emotionally um in life not communicating their emotions mm -hmm. or the things that society makes hard for men mm -hmm. because honestly you were talking about like trying to work through woman stuff i have man stuff and i haven't even really i mean i'm like there's like a basis of emotional intelligence like i'm not going to treat people with disrespect mm -hmm. but my internal right. feelings are very negative when it comes to most men mm -hmm. and i think i have a lot of learning and growth like institutionalized resentments with mm -hmm. you know a lot of things but i have a lot of learning and growth to do within that you know i think it would be good for me to hear from men about their experience of like hardship through society i think even that conversation though because even as you're saying that i've been like I could I could see how I as a man would be like no no let, let, let's talk about the women problems you know and like how that that in and of itself is kind of because I struggle to like in my head I'm like all right well what was it like to I've never really felt like a man to begin with mm. so like why hmm you want to chime in Doug I don't what is I don't your idea I don't of know yeah. What's uh, I don't have a good idea okay. of one. Okay. Like, but in, in this, so like I grew up with a dad who went to work. That's what he did. He's a worker. He provided. I had no idea what it was like to, to have at least in a, uh, like material wise, I was totally taken care of as a child. Emotionally wise as a father, like I just didn't really have that. 
Um, so like I saw that as like a very cold and distant, um, loving was not a word that I would connect Mm -hmm. with that. I had a brother that was very, loved my brother to death. Also did not convey, I I remember when we grew up later, he was just like, hey Daniel, sorry for like punching you all the time when I was a kid. (laughs) I I guess, I just didn't know how to tell you like, I love you. Like, and he he genuinely didn't know how to do that. Like it it was just like, like, I don't know what this feeling is, but I'm gonna like physically assault you. (laughs) I can, cause that's my, my emotion. Uh, and I grew up with my mom, who's ex- very emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we'll go too far into that. Um, <laughs> but so I just never viewed myself as like the the quote unquote typical American male. Mm. Like I'm gonna get myself a pickup truck and shoot a deer. And like I don't know, I've liked. I'm I'm much more an emotional being than I am a. I think I'm a good mix between emotion and logic. Did that happen after sobriety or have you always been like that? Did it take you time to kind of like I've deconstruct all, these things that you saw in your dad and your brother? I think I've always been that, but it took sobriety to make me okay with that. Right. Um, uh, obviously, like within the, within the context of like gender binary, which is not real. Like obviously there are many more genders than just two. But in this context, like you both identify as men yeah. and we're raised as men. And I, and yeah, just wanted to put that out there. Like it's for people listening who are not just like one or the other. Cause intersex. One of our, one of our seven listeners will. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> is a thing. <laughs> no, that, that, that is a, that is a, a fair clarification to make though. Um, Debbie would have liked to have been here for this one. <laughs> um, I guess I'm just curious. Yeah, I guess I was just kind of curious. Like, when did you become the host of this? Well, <laughs> if you want to be in control of something, you need to take control, Daniel. That's fair. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you really grabbed that mic, dude. Yeah. You're like, I will run this show. <laughs> I guess I was just curious, like, and yeah, not a really, it's kind of coming back to addiction, but it's really not going there so Either i hope way. that's okay with you guys and talk about whatever you want um, talk about seashells if you want to seashells um <laughs> a whole <laughs> myriad of things just went out of my brain <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah i guess i was just curious like the picture you got of what it was supposed to be like and the picture you have now of what you want it to be like as far as men right sleeping with every woman that i can I rem- as a younger, as a as a young okay. as a young person, I remember. I think that clarification is very important. Yes, I remember. Well, no, because and thank you for wording it though, because I I can remember thinking when I was a kid, be like, oh, my brother's sleeping with so many people, and I'm just twelve, <laughs> not having sex at all. Right, which and is was, appropriate, <laughs> but at the time, it's like, oh, I, yeah, I the whole idea of lo- losing your virginity as as a young person i was just like well i you know that's what a man does like that's what a that's yeah. what a grown up does like mm-hmm. it was very attached to it was very attached to sex and and sexual things mm-hmm. um but i did you get that from your like so my older brother is um is now my older sister and she, she transitioned um a couple years ago but when i was for the context of the story she was my older brother mm-hmm. right so that was what 
my role model as a man was when I was growing up. And then also my dad, um, like I, I don't know how like I know we're how going. much I should get in, but, <laughs> but it's like but also like sleeping with everybody like that was my thing too, and I didn't get that from my dad, so I got it from society. Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. what men are supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what I think the sort of values I got from my dad and from my family is to, yeah, just work all the time. Um, although my dad was, I mean, my dad wasn't really emotionally distant, you know. Um, but one of the, one of the things, one of the things that I had a really hard time breaking, um, in early sobriety was this thing and, and an active addiction too, was this obsession I had that like, I have to be stressed out. I have to be burning the candle Mm -hmm. at both ends. Mm -hmm. I have to be working really, really hard Mm -hmm. and I have to be self-reliant and self-supportive and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what being a man is to me. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason why your question stumped me so much, mm-hmm. because I don't really, I can't, I'm not sure how to pinpoint where, what the source of those values instilled in me are. Mm-hmm. Because some of them are from my father, but I think a lot of them are from society. And I think you know? that society's imprint on us is very insidious and yeah, hard to recognize right. for anyone. So that yeah. completely makes sense. I'm happy that you brought up that, yeah, like in my, in my mind, a man is I will hold this together mm-hmm. like like the the financial the the like it's whatever responsibility like I have to carry the burden if there is a burden mm-hmm. like and I even ran into that recently of like go spiritual director happy to have her mm-hmm. uh, just she helps remind me of just like yeah well you need to talk to those people like you know if you're if you're burnt out you need to let this significant other know that like you have to communicate that's such a hard conversation to have and i was like but i was i remember i i became so much lighter earlier this week because i had those conversations and i like i called and i facetime and i was just like yeah you know like this is like i did not act appropriately and i was just like i this that and the other and it was just like oh well hey like thank you for letting me and but it's just like i have to be reminded that like hey you know you have to go do that right Mm -hmm. i'm like oh yeah also, I didn't really have. Did you have sex ed? We yeah, had, yeah. yeah. We, at I never. We had. I we had sex you. ed, but it was yeah, like. I don't think that. it really taught me anything, though. No, it taught me nothing. Yeah. But I will say that my sex ed teacher, when I was in like, I think it was like seventh grade. What, what middle school did you go to? Lakeshore. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, the Lakeshore. I had Mrs. <laughs> I, I had Mrs. Geisinger, and she was pretty cool, but. But I also, I think when I got sex ed in middle school, like we had a thing in fifth grade, right? Right. Which. I Little to I, nothing. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I was too young to really even. You're not even like processing really. Right. I but, don't think that it's, you're too young. I think that it's so frowned upon to talk about that. Well, we that was kind of thing. Like, we were all laughing about it. Right. Right. But like, but like I sort of figured it all out on myself. You know, by myself, right? <laughs> on myself. Um, <laughs> well, no, I think a lot of it, especially, which is such a dangerous place and to be. and not from my parents either, or, right. or anything like that, or from the friggin' church, either, right? Which you know, if, <laughs> if there's any sort of um, something that would that that could have happened in my life that I would call trauma, it was the it was the unhealthy relationship that I had towards sex because of the like of because being raised mm-hmm. Catholic, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I never had. Sex we did then. have a we did have a question box though in seventh grade, mm. and there were some pretty ridiculous questions in there. I will say, mm, maybe I shouldn't judge them like that. 
Some of them are ridiculous questions. Like, I think that okay. the like intent behind them were was like was for laughter, but actually now thinking back to it, like pretty good questions. Pretty good questions. I feel a lot of parents are like, well, like let the schools teach it, and then schools are like, well, let the parents teach it. It's like great. Well, I'm watching. None of the well, parents or, are. Or nobody. Or, I'm learning yeah, it. So. I'm learning it from Bang won't. Bus. So yeah, like, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I got I, I got a lot. I got a. I didn't have sex at all. My sexual education came from porn. Yeah, which me is too. which is a which says a lot about how men interact with women. Yeah, yeah that, totally. that was a no, big that was a big right. influence that I had on objectifying women. Right, yeah. was yeah. that's what I in in the context. I of still a, struggle with it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's you I, know, it's I one of those things of like, and I think that's a conversation not a lot of guys like to have. But again, coming back to communication, and it's a, like the reality of it is, like there are things that I will consistently be working on, mm-hmm. and one of them is my relationship with women, just as the opposite sex of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's. But a lot of that was, I can't, I can't blame my views now on, like I can't be like, well, it's because the, that's the way I was raised or that's how I was brought up. Like mm-hmm. I, the same thing with my recovery now. Like I have a responsibility to be a better person than than the person I was yesterday. Right, especially when you're made aware of something. Mm-hmm. Yes, you that's... are. Like I, that was something that seemed so. Um. When I first heard someone say this, I was like, wow, you know, and it was they they're like, once you're an adult and once you get to a certain point and you're aware of these things that you do and you're aware of whatever you need to be aware mm-hmm. of, like you are not a victim anymore. You can't be a victim. Stop being a victim. You have the power to change um, certain things and to grow and you get to make that choice, you know, Deb, Debbie would love you. Yeah. <laughs> so then you can't, so then you have to like, then you're like, well, now it's my responsibility as an adult who is yeah. aware of myself and other people mm-hmm. and what is going on in my life, like to make changes and grow. And if I'm not doing that, then I am like victimizing other people in the process, which is terrible. And also I don't want to. What do you mean victimizing other people in the process? Well, I'm assuming that those things that, well, for me specifically, mm-hmm. those things that I had needed to work on mm-hmm. were, it was hurt that was done to me that I carried with me. I let myself be a victim and then I put that on other people in a specific way. So like in, in, a, in relationships, mm-hmm. emotional relationships or sexual relationships, like, any intimate relationship I had, I was um, I was hurting people because I was hurt, but it was like less conscious than that. Mm-hmm. Or I was like letting that be the case, you know, like mm-hmm. I wasn't taking responsibility. Well, no, it's not like you actions. wanted to hurt people. Yeah, but I also wasn't taking responsibility for right. something that I knew I could take responsibility for. It's so. it, it, it's learning a bad trait, knowing that it's a bad trait, and then doing nothing about it to change that. Right. Do you think you just hadn't been given permission to like? I love that. Term. To to like to know that you can take responsibility for making other people victims. Does that make any sense? You're saying, do you think I just wasn't given? Permission, permission to be to, able to to be like, oh, I'm capable of, of hurting other people. Yeah, you know, as a hurt person, right? 
I think that's definitely yeah. something that was going on. Right. And obviously we don't change until we can change. Right. Right. I Everyone's mean, doing their best, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. of course, you know, like, of course we're all doing our you best. Can't, you can't yeah. do anything until you give it a name. Right. You know? Yeah. Like the recognizing is the first step. Yeah. I want to push back on one thing in that statement, please, though. Please. Everyone's not doing their best. Why do you think that? So this is why. <laughs> When I think of, so I love this, by the way, going, I'm really excited going along that same thought of once you're made aware. Now there's a few switches that have to get flipped here. You have, first off, you have to be willing to, my favorite quote, I've said this a thousand times, my favorite quote's like, there's a 0% chance that a hundred percent of your deeply held beliefs are correct. So, but when I think of my idea of what I would consider like, you need to change or whatever that might be. So a person has to be willing to admit that they might be wrong, which I think is rare nowadays. You then have to be willing to actually make active changes. So if you're made aware before these things, I don't think you're li- I don't think you're doing great. Like in the sense of, let's say I objectify women, and then someone says you come along, and you're like, "Hey, Daniel." <laughs> That's objectifying. Uh, that's objectifying women. <laughs> yeah. This is why. This is the damage that it can create. These are ways that you potentially can can work on so you don't do that because there's there's a potential to do damage. I think it's a less of a percentage of people who would take that information and never make the mistake again than the people who would probably keep going with it until it seeped into them. It's not human and it's not reasonable to expect people to like – I, this is why I do think everyone is doing their best because I can tell someone something and it's just a little seed. Like the first time I went to an AA meeting, I was 17 and I did not stay sober. Something happened in there talking about sobriety, whatever, where I was like, oh, but I left and I drank and I did drugs, you know, like, but I came back to it mm. and I was doing my best. If I could have done better, I would have made that decision. Maybe I didn't have the tools to do that. Maybe I didn't, I wasn't living in a space um, with people who supported me. Um, Maybe I just like did not have the mental capacity to move forward at that time, you know? And I, and the only reason I live in that, in that space of Mm -hmm. like assuming that everyone's doing their best of course I get upset and like frustrated and resentful sometimes because I'm human, but it's because um, for me to assume that someone isn't doing their best is like kind of, it's who am I to say what is mm. going on with someone else? I have no idea. I have no idea what's going on with you. If some, if I have no idea what's going on with Doug, like, I don't know. <laughs> Me neither. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't, I have to assume that people are trying their hardest. There's a, there's a woman who, um, I am in close contact with very frequently Mm -hmm. in my life who also believes that a lot of people are not doing their best on purpose. And I think if I thought that I would be very miserable personally. I I don't necessarily, and I, I think that's where I where I differ. At least as far as like the the initial statement goes, is 
I don't think it's on purpose. I think some people might be on purpose, but I feel I, the way that I was brought into recovery and kind of my new way of life and kind of, I would say is kind of what, what we do here is like, I'm going to take a stand. And when you say this is the best I can do, I'm going to say, I don't think that's true. I agree with that. So the phrase that I use a lot is they're doing the best they can and they can do better. And both things are true. That, that's a nicer version of how I would yeah. put it. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, but, but I, I agree with it. Like, so our terminology or verbiage would be like, I'm going to take a stand for you to, to reach your highest and best self. Right. Now it's, I think it's more just nuance of what does that mean along the journey mm-hmm. of, are they leaving their best self now if they're on the way to their best self? Like, mm-hmm. but I, I think that the, I think that the willingness to be vulnerable and the willingness to accept accurate, accurate feedback, um, if you're not willing to do that, I, I don't think, at least for me. So if I'm not willing to receive accurate feedback, I don't think I'm living my best self. Mm-hmm. Because if I believe that I'm living my best self and I'm great, I am delusional. This could get very meta. I think that's the right word. <laughs> let's get let's get, get freaking meta. <laughs> well, just listening to you talk about that, because only because like <laughs> it is you I don't think it's possible for anyone to reach a point in their life before they die where they're like their actual best, best self. self. Oh, I agree. So with it's you always that. changing. Well, aren't all these platitudes? What? You know, like aren't all these just words? platitudes what is that thank Doug, you for asking me Doug and his word of the day <laughs> no i mean what what's what hold on stop for like the people metaphors listening, like you know yeah. like platitude yeah i think metaphor is an, an okay way to to also put it if you're going to drop words and not know the meaning of it <sighs> i really don't i know contextually <laughs> i know Should contextually it what it means he no, used like he, buzzwords you know what i mean like he used uh, what, what was the one word that you amethyst or anathema. Anathema. And I was like, Anathema? Anathema. What is Polar that? Polar opposites, right? I don't even remember. All right, platitudes. Anyways, I, I thought you were talking about plateaus. No. <laughs> I don't know. What is the point of you saying that they're platitudes, though? Because I mean, the idea these... itself is worth talking good, about. Right. But, <laughs> right. <laughs> that is how, at least I could have spelled it right. Well, okay. A a remark or statement, especially one with a moral content that has been used too often to be interesting or thoughtful. So what I mean by that, so what I mean by that is that we say these words like our best self or our highest self. And what the hell does that even mean? Right. It's different for everybody. Right. I think the, I, I think something that was instilled in me early in my recovery was the fact that there was, there was a, there was something on the other side. There was a space for me to grow into there. I wasn't stuck in the spot that I was at. Like, at least when I hear that and like, what is your highest Mm -hmm. and best self? It's, I just didn't, I didn't even know that there was anything on the other side Mm -hmm. of the door. Right. And then someone was like, Hey, let's, let's walk. It's something it's, it's for me because, well, because like something I say every morning is I ask, you know, the universe, we all have a different word for it. Um, <laughs> I ask uh, to live as the best version of myself today, you know? So I say it. Now, do I know objectively what that means? Would I even know what that means if I ever achieved that? No. You do but, in the moment, though. Like in the moments where you're making a decision, 
I agree. And the small moments, that's when you become who you want to be. Well, and that's where the self is. It kind of reminds me also of like doing my best. Yeah. Like you were just talking about, you know, which is different. I just, I just love it. Let's get meta. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I guess I was saying that because I didn't know if that was the right word to use. First of all, it's just a a very, it's, it's very meta to think about like, if you're doing your best, but you could be better, but also there's a best version of you in the future. Yeah. And what you, is, so does that mean that you can't be your best now? Your best? But okay. even, you know, it's like time, space, continuum shit, you know? Yeah. Oh, sorry. It's okay. It's all right. Um, I don't know. It could really get <laughs> weird. I, I like the idea of, so if like, I worked really hard for my addiction. I worked really hard in, in, and like that was difficult for me to maintain this and this whole charade and all this other stuff. And like I love heroin. I love meth. I love like these things and needles. Like I genuinely do. But like and I bring that up is because like I got sober and I, I needed there's pain can only push me so far before I need something to pull me forward. And like finding out that I could grow. Mm-hmm. was my thing that I was like, that's awesome. And you kind of like grab onto it. Yeah. And I remember being like really early in recovery with my spiritual director. Uh, and I was like, I, I uh, like logically I understand that people change and mm-hmm. grow. I've just never seen it mm-hmm. and I've never experienced it. Mm-hmm. So like I never knew like they're like, hey, this is a door. And I'm like, I get it. That's a door. But I know what doors do. Mm-hmm. But like I've never been on the other side of that door. So mm-hmm. And, but I've got to the point where I, I appreciate the weird, not even weird, just the difficult conversations. I appreciate those because yeah. those are like, I feel that in my gut. Cause mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's something that's happening. That's not, that's not a hell of the weather. That's, those are the points in my recovery where I can say this made me do things differently from then on out. Yeah. Like a lot of that specifically has come from conversations I've had with my mother and with my aunt Terry, because they are the people who are willing to say no longer does this make sense for you to do. And I'm willing to call you out on it. Mm. Like the most in my life, my aunt Terry, the for longer than my mother has, you know, has been very, um, she calls out my malarkey, you know, and, your and shenanigans. those, yeah, my shenanigans. And those are the moments where, and I used to get really defensive. It took me a long time to learn how to not be defensive that in not being defensive, I could hear what she's saying, take it in. It's okay. It doesn't mean I'm a bad person. It doesn't, you know, it, yeah. I had to like detach myself from all these things that it meant to hear someone give me feedback. And then there was a lot of like growth that happened. Which is amazing. I'm still so afraid of having difficult conversations that, um, like, even right now, I, you know, it's kind of funny because this conversation is sort of making me realize how much editing I do in my head before I even take any action, you know, Mm. Um, because I'm so afraid of somebody um, calling me out, even though, and I'm pretty sure I've said this to you before about how, like, you know, I love when... Um, like I love when people call me out on my BS. Like I love when <laughs> things like, and you know, I think I genuinely do. I love when there's things that I, that are brought to my attention that I wasn't aware of because 
I think, you know, I think I'm so slick <laughs> that um, anything that you bring to my attention is something I'm already aware of and working on. Yep. You know? And I know my faults. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know my faults. And, you know, I, it gives me anxiety thinking about people calling me out on things that, um, that I need to work on. Because mm. I'm sure there are things. But so you're saying like you don't want that conversation to happen. So you just like be quiet and don't say anything mm -hmm. because you would rather not have the conversation about the hard thing. than. Yeah. Be... I mean, that's even happening right now. Right. Right. Like 100 um, percent. That's what I got from that. Right. You're saying that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and uh, I've gotten a lot better. I mean, this is I think this is a very deeply rooted coping mechanism that I had to get through life like um being quiet and meek and avoiding any sort of conflict. And is it meek or secretive? I wouldn't say. I don't know. I wouldn't say coping as much as a. I, I I would consider that a survival mechanism that started from a like. Yeah. I, I like the whole idea of that. Tomato, of, tomato. Yeah. Right. Well, like when, when I when I think of survival mechanism, I think of something happened at a young age that you did this thing to actually survive. It wasn't. It wasn't. It's it's rooted in the sense. Well, we're of going back to we, we talked earlier about how just the sheer anxiety and terror of being a second grader. Yeah, you know where where it was yeah. at, at some point. I. Mm, I, I yeah, they're pretty similar. Like I had. I, I, like, <laughs> yeah. Well, like, no, I I think there is a difference. I just wouldn't be able to. Well, like, I, like, I, like I think back and I'm like, I had to have like, <laughs> like I had deep. to have my dad like ride the school bus with me when I first started going to like kindergarten. That like he that. did that with you? Yeah, he is did. so lovely. Sure it is. But you know what? So sorry. But you know what's funny? <laughs> so we also, I mean, like we also kind of go back on like what um, my relationship with like manliness is mm -hmm. or, or whatever. I look back on that and I'm embarrassed. Mm, yeah, you know what I mean. I don't see that as a loving thing that he did. Some and you know and I I do now I think right. But I think there was you know I used to actually very much resent my parents for how much they cared about me. Wow. I, I, my, I used to. Yeah. I moved to Arizona, had football, and every game my dad would come and I'd be like, "Why does he show yeah, up? Yeah, like yeah. I don't want him to be here." Wow. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting mm -hmm. to me. Yeah. Like I didn't want, I wanted to be the same. Have you ever heard that emo song where it's like, I'm an emo kid. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm an emo kid, nonconforming as can be. Yeah. There's a, it's just like, it's some line where it's just like, like, I don't know, it sounded like my mom tells me she loved me, but I know she does. Like my mom only told me she loved me three times this day or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And I think of that of just like, I wanted to be, I wanted my external world to match my internal. Mm -hmm. And when there was a, when there was a conflict between that of, I internally felt this way, mm -hmm. but externally it didn't match. I was just like, I want, I want the, I don't want to change internal stuff. Like mm -hmm. I want the external world to change. And I feel like that's kind of what was nice about drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. Like I have this mm -hmm. external thing to change my internal. Mm -hmm. But I remember, I very specifically remember, like I was like, I, I, why does he, why does he show up? Like I had this lens that I saw him as not caring, mm -hmm. but there was things that he did that was caring. And as a young kid, I'm like, those two things don't work. Where it's like they can't possibly be true at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like people can't possibly be that complicated. Mm -hmm. uh, when you're a child, you, I don't think you can. 
conceptualize things like that though no the complex it took me until i was late late 20s it took me like last year yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be like to be like oh, oh wait my parents yeah. are perfect like everyone's like so loving yeah. Yeah. yeah that and just like oh everyone kind of like everyone is great and suck that suck in their own way yeah. yeah like yeah it took me a really long time too <laughs> yeah. actually and no I, one tells you that and <laughs> yeah. and i really like held on to that stuff i really resented my both of my parents my dad was not around my mom was, but she was so busy trying to take care of mm. us that I felt like she wasn't emotionally there for me. Mm. And it was like, we've had conversations about this. I am very intense. Obviously, you guys know I that. I couldn't, couldn't catch that at all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, which I think is a really great thing, actually. And I used to be really embarrassed about it, but I have brought intensity to our relationship. We talked about things like that where I was like, you know, this hurt my feelings, these types of things I can't handle now or whatever. But then I would experience other people like my ex's parents who go off. I will. <laughs> it's like, whoo. And I, I know comparison is a dangerous game. Sure, of course. I want to say that. I think it's important uh, to say yeah. that experience, experiencing my ex's parents that was the moment where I was like, my mom loves me so much. Mm -hmm. She loves me so much. You know, like I really felt, I knew she loved me, but I was like, that was the moment where I like really deeply, truly like internalized it. You know, mm -hmm. I was like, wow, I'm so lucky to have my mom as my mom. I almost said her name, but then I was like, nah. Well, the also <laughs> the fact that we are he said go off <laughs> we i i also had to come to a point and accept the fact that like my my parents are never going to show me affection and love exactly how i want it's how could right they, they right. are they are going yeah. to express it the best that they can the best and going back to the generational thing like i go back to grandparents ago for me right. like they definitely weren't having this conversation they weren't asking like Hey, hey, they were know. raised by people from the 1850s. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're having 29 kids to work the fields. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, so now it's, I see that as just like, I have to accept them as human as, as they right. truly really are. Right. And some of that's just like, my, my dad's never going to, to love me the way that I would love my daughter. Not be, and neither one of those is right or wrong. It's just not his language of love. Like he's right. not going to express his affection that way. Cause he, like, I'm no not No one gonna... showed him how to, you know, yeah. he expresses his affection in direct correlation to how he learned and I from think, his parents. And I think in that parents, way, yeah. I do believe like, I, I think that, I don't think my dad watches anyways, but like, I, I think that my dad does express love and affection the best way that he can. So when we think about people living right. their best lives, mm -hmm. like I don't necessarily want it to go to that scope, but at least in this, I, I can understand that of like, definitely there are people that would be like, he's not showing me the affection he should. Right. Where it's like, he's not showing you the affection that you, you want. want. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. But, and he's also of a, a, a valuable, yeah. Infallible. Fallible, yeah. Fall, fall, fallible human. <laughs> right. Like all of us are. Mm -hmm. And, but to accept that is very, like, that was a very freeing experience. And the for fact me. that he's fallible in your eyes because of your expectation of people, right? Yeah. And that is true for anyone yeah. experiencing others. 
because we have expectations there people are going to be fallible because we have these ideas of how things should be from our perception but literally everyone's perception is different yeah i mean i'm i'm grateful that i was so removed from a lot of the conflict in my family mm-hmm. because i got to have such like an objective like outside like mm-hmm. oh those are just oh look at those two people fighting over there like i had no emotion yeah. connected to it so then right. you know we get we show up and i'm like oh hey like i don't have that you don't have that anymore no it's it's just a very like oh you're my dad i love you like I'm, I'm, I'm like low. He's still connected to that stuff. Like if I hear my parents arguing, my stepdad and my mom, it like very much so. I'm like, oh, I'll fight my stepdad. <sighs> you know, I'm like, oh god, I don't like this. You know, like, um, that the love that I wanted from my mom, I think, was like wealth. Like I wanted. This sounds so messed up, but I wanted love in the form of. Yes, you can have that or whatever, you know, like, but my mom and I think that is just like such an immature way to imagine love. But I was a child. I think that's also in the way our a lot of our generation. It's a rational way to we're going to work hard and get stuff. That's how we know we're successful. Exactly. Right. But but the way she loves me is um, by accepting me for who I am, no matter what that looks like. I can go to college. No, that's that's love. That is love. <laughs> I could shave my head. I could grow my hair out. I could be skinny, fat, doesn't matter. I can love whoever I want to love. I can love multiple people. My mom would be like, bring them all over. Yeah, let's have some When dinner. she's ready, but like she is like down for whatever I want, whatever makes me happy. She's like, be a waitress for the rest, rest of your life. Go to college, do whatever you want. As long as you're happy and you're not hurting other people, I'm so happy for you. And I think that is like some of the best stuff, you know, I'm like, wow, that is priceless. It's priceless. I mean, I, that really just, that warms my heart Mm -hmm. of the same. It's, it's it's just genuinely like, it's not, it's not a, in my, it's not about what somebody else wants. It's just like, are you living your life the way that you want to live your life? Right. Yes. Like, and it's not destroying you or, right. The only exception is my addiction. Right. She's like, we won't be, we won't have relationship if you are in your addiction. And I'm like, kudos to you for having boundaries, you know, like what a strong, yeah. What a strong woman. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, that is awesome. That, That does warm my heart. Are we done? Yeah. What? It can't be an hour and a half long. Yeah. Do you want to come back though when Debbie's here? I would love for you to. I would really like. I would really like that. Okay. So I'll be on two episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to come back next Tuesday? Yeah. Are you going to use any of this? How many? Yeah. We're doing. Yeah. This is a whole. Yeah. 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 No, I'll put this up. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I. I greatly do want to say I appreciate real conversation yeah <laughs> and like it's just i i feel like that's rare these days mm-hmm. i'm getting so old you kids and you kids in your 20s uh, i know like, it's like, like two years younger than us yeah she's like one year younger than us i'm one year Are younger you than 30? you and i'm two years younger than him you're you not 30? 30 yet he's 29 yeah, I am. when did you turn 30 <laughs> on his birthday <laughs> stop four, his four, birthday is in four February. months ago four, five, <laughs> it's march march yeah yeah, four months ago. I right? literally thought you turned 29. Yeah, four I months know, ago. I have to do that. I'm like, am I 30? Huh? I'm not okay. You thought I was 29? Yes. All He's right. been 30 for four months. No. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't know that. I, I feel like a terrible friend. Were you even here? <laughs> yeah, I was here. In, I came back in. <laughs> when did I come back? 
I don't really celebrate my birthdays. You want to talk about, you know, being a man. It's not acknowledging <laughs> milestones or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, I think that's something. That, the like, 30th birthday is so important. No, though. it's not. It's, do you know what I did for my 30th birthday? Nothing is important because I said it's not important. Do you know what I did for my 30th birthday? What? I worked overtime and did homework. <laughs> but don't you have so I much self-esteem from huh? that? You have self-esteem from that. From what? From showing up for yourself. I didn't want to do any of that. I, but you did it, which is like pretty cool. See, what, Dedication. You're, what, you're, what you're going down is a dangerous road to what we just talked about. <laughs> just like, yeah, that's what I, I just, I show up for myself every day, 16 <laughs> hours a day. Yeah, you sound like Andrew Tate now. Ew. Oh. No, I do not. Oh, what, what gauge is that? I'll show up for myself every day. <laughs> I'll own everything in this like house. So. I, that's, is he British? No, no, he just made that. <laughs> no, no what? He sucked like a Brit. <laughs> he doesn't Andrew have tight. <laughs> this is good because I need to hit my face so bad. All right. Yeah. Yeah.